What up, what up? This is your boy Checo. This is your boy Noi. What up? And this is Compass Unfiltered. Thank you guys for listening, for watching. Make sure you guys follow all of our social media. Subscribe and like. And make sure you go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you drop a comment on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe. Yes, sir. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, just weird requests and shit from fucking all kinds. Of, just probably scams and shit. Yeah. People yeah. all over the fucking world. Like, trying to grow fuck? your page and yeah, shit like, like oh, that. What the fuck yeah. are you hitting me up? Like, I don't know you. Yeah, just scams. Most of them. The one I get the most is bro, about losing weight, weight. I'm like, that's oh, fucked up, bro. I got one of those like two days ago. I wasn't sure if he was legit. I almost took up, took up the offer. Like He was like, I'm working on a project near your area. You know, I'm trying to change people's lives and shit. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I need this. You feel <laughs> me? Like, maybe maybe there's a sign, you know? Because I was going to be like, maybe he's training people for free, like with a social platform. And like, oh, look, I helped this guy lose his weight. You feel me? Like, maybe I can get more people to sign up. But I don't know if it was legit. I, I, I didn't have the energy to hit him back You're up. You're about to become the project, fool. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Nigga, I'm waiting for a fucking plastic surgeon to hit me up. I'll reply to him. Or a free BBL, something. <laughs> well, this is someone that was actually trying to get you to work out then. That, yeah, it was yeah. like a trainer. This one, they're trying to sell me, like, some drink. Uh, like, nah. those drinks. Like, oh, here you go. Was my mom selling Herbalife? No, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, have you tried that shit? Herbalife? Yeah. Yeah, bro. It never works. But also, I never try to eat healthy either. Like, you just... Yeah, my mom had me on Herbalife, like, when, in fifth grade, dog. Like... No. Yeah, like, she had me drinking sabi life shit, you know? <laughs> like, tez de energia, tez de relax, and, like, the shakes, dog. Like, bro, I would... I would I would just make the shakes and like add my own ingredients to it, like <laughs> Oreos and bananas. Like, I'm the only motherfucker that made Herbalife shakes unhealthy, dog. You're like, making them good, fool. Yeah, right. But uh, dude, like that shit took a, like Herbalife is just a pyramid scheme and Mexican ladies talking shit. That's all Herbalife is. Puro chisme, drinking the tea. Puro chisme. I've never been to one, bro. Like the little bar areas, you know. My they... mom cones one, bro. No way. Yeah, Herbalife. So cones. they're still popping. I mean, they are they? I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, she know. drives a Benz, right? Nah, hell no. Nah. She did. She drives a, <laughs> a Jeep with a fucking rebuilt motor. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I remember my wife used to wake up super early to go take those shots and like you know start her day yeah. and like suppresses your hunger or whatever. And, yeah. and I feel like it's, 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 it's like if that's what yeah. works for you, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe it's all in the head, you know? Like if like so, yeah. if you wake up early, like if that's what's gonna get you to wake up early and go do that. And work out a little bit, then fuck it. It's all in the head sometimes, and fuck it, do it. But I feel like no, nothing that you eat or try is gonna work without like proper execution of exercise. You know, like my mom. My mom, she's like a. She started off as like a Zumba instructor, but now she does like all kinds of like different like aerobatics and different like she's a. I always I have a joke about this, but my mom is actually a per, a personal trainer type shit. Like she helps people lose weight. Like I know, like I'm fat as shit, but she helps other people lose weight, and like that's how she got into the Herbalife shit because they will rent her the space. Like so, she'll do like her classes or whatever, you know, workouts and shit at the Herbalife place. Eventually, she's like, well, might as well start selling this shit too, make some more money. So. Now she like co-owns one with uh, with her friend right here on uh, Farnsworth and Liberty. And how long has that been up for, bro? That that place been there for like at least five six years, bro. So they've been running that for a minute. Oh yeah, scamming niggas for sure for a minute. Like, <laughs> but, but like again, it's just the same people, bro. Like yeah. it's not like they got like a network that's like they got lines out of the like they're they're they're, they're um. 
motto is not to like serve new people and like get people in and out the door. Like their motto is like just come in here, sit down, as I'll talk shit about each other. And as one of them starts leaving, talk shit about that person, and then the person that leaves after that, and oh, it's just yeah. it's just a fucking it's a hangout spot, you a know. More club. Than, yeah. yeah, it's more than anything, bro. Don't put this on the podcast. <laughs> oh, you don't want to put it on? The- oh, it's already going. <laughs> yeah, we're already going, bro. Oh shit, fuck it, fuck Herbalife. <laughs> <laughs> They were on the news. Like, if you look at the real Herbalife product, like, yeah. you can go ahead and, like, find um, the CEO was, like, under investigation for, like, you know, MLM marketing, you know, that multimedia yep. level market or whatever the fuck it's called. But, like, that's what it is. I right? thought there was a documentary on Netflix, too. I don't know about I that I one. Saw, I thought I saw it on Netflix um, hmm. where they were investigating that guy. Yeah, I don't know. He, he lives, like, in Beverly Hills, drives Ferrari. Like, he's living good. Oh, he's balling, you bro. You know, and it's like, you won't find any. Like, I was said this, too, like... Like the backbone of Herbalife is Mexican ladies. Like there's no fucking. I ain't never seen. Facts, no, I ain't never seen a white lady Herbalife club. You know, like there's not. Yeah. You know what club does have like? I mean, it seems like it. You see those pink Escalades, the Mary Kay. Oh, Mary oh, Kay, yeah. Yeah. Yo, yeah. That's what your mom should do, bro. Because if she. Oh, yeah. my mom did, did that already, bro. Oh shit. My, 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 she was she was in the Escalade way before. Bro, my mom's done all the like not scams, but she's done all the door to door sales like. Tupperware. I remember growing up, bro. We used to live in a basement, bro. In a basement, like in Chicago, me and my mom, my dad, and my sister, bro. Like we couldn't even walk around the fucking house because all the pedidos, all the shipments, bro. Boxes and boxes and boxes of Tupperware everywhere, bro. Sometimes they, she wouldn't even sell it. I don't know. Like I don't know if she would over order or people wouldn't pick up their shit. But there'd just be so much Tupper everywhere in the house, bro. Like we did that for a minute. Then after that, she did Mary Kate for a while. Like. She she had all kinds of makeup in the garage, bro. She did Avon for a while, like Yafra, Yafra, bro. My aunt did the Yafra for years, bro. Like I remember every for like eight or nine years straight on my birthday, bro. Every year Yafra cologne never failed, bro. Never failed. They all smelled disgusting, but shout out my aunt. You know she cared, I guess. But hey, she cared, bro. Yeah, my mom. My mom has done everything. The only thing I, my mom hasn't done is Amway. She, she, I don't, I don't, that's I don't, a scam too. Yeah, that's a, that's scam. a scam too. Entrepreneurship yeah. runs in your family, then, bro. They, they well, know how to scamming sell shit. runs in my family. <laughs> <laughs> they know uh, how to sell shit and run their. None own of business. us have had a success with this business by that. <laughs> Holy shit! Well, sorry, oh, my bad. We can, we can do whatever you guys are ready. My bad. Nah, you're good. We already bro. started, bro. Yeah, you're good, I'm gonna man. now introduce you, bro. Oh, Welcome okay. to Compass Unfilter, bro. Hell yeah. Ken Flores, bro. What's up, man? Appreciate Welcome. y'all having me, dog. Yeah, we appreciate you accepting the invite, brother. Of course, man. Este so. Now we did talk about you. You're in Chicago. You used to live in Chicago then. You were born in Chicago. Or Kepedo? Yeah, I was born in Chicago. Uh, when I was, uh, I was born in Chicago. I lived in Chicago up to like oh, right around fifth grade. In fifth grade, I was starting to hang out with like the wrong people up the street and shit. Like, uh, I, I grew up. I grew up. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was selling my body at eight years old, dog. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> My, my question was this did you have this much body to sell or no <laughs> nah man I was you know inflation wasn't a thing yet <laughs> but uh, yo you wildin bro I, I had uh, I, I was hanging out with like you know like a whole bunch of a bunch of gang members and shit, but like we like we were kids though. Like to us, that was the homies from the block. It wasn't like like I wasn't out there actively gang banging, but they like their older brothers were. So we kind of already like kind of started to lean into like the wrong the wrong crowds and shit. And I used to I remember I used to walk to school. I used to live on Armitage. I mean sorry on Kimball, but I used to go to Kimball all the way to Armitage and take Armitage all the way up to Central Park because I was going to Funston Elementary School out there. And I remember bro, there were, like one time when I was. Uh, 
when I was uh, getting out of school, bro, my mom was waiting for me outside of school, and uh, there was a shooting right there. Like, my mom had bullets flying over her head. Like, she heard them, you know, and she had never yeah. even, like, we lived in Chicago all of our life, but she ain't never been through some shit like that. So that was kind of, like, what started to draw, like, the, oh, we need to get the fuck out of here, you know? And then uh, right around the time that we were kind of looking to move into, like, somewhere else um, and buy a house, um, our, my dad's, you know, my dad had a pimped out, like, Lincoln Navigator, and he had, like, the stereo with the screen. And they broke his fucking window and took that shit. So he was like, you know what? Like, I think I'm done living here. Like, if it's not one thing, it's another. Um, So we ended up, uh, again, I know you said that you moved to Aurora because uh, your wife's work or whatnot. So my mom was actually working in Aurora. She was working third shift. So she would get picked up uh, every day in Chicago like 9 p.m., and she would come to work out here in Aurora and, you know, get home at 6, 7 a.m. So my dad was on the same thing. He's like, well, fuck it. I'd rather go live in Aurora. I drive an hour to work, and your mom, you know, she drives yeah, fucking mom. 12 minutes or whatever, you know? She was working right behind uh, Mateo Valley over there near those factories and whatnot. So we started looking at houses, and, um, yeah, man, we ended up in Aurora right around 2007. 2007, so I was, like, right around fifth fifth grade. I still got to go to elementary school here, right, right around here. And um, and uh, and yeah, man, that's that's kind of what brought us all the way out to the suburbs. So yeah, I was born in Chicago, but I claim Aurora though. Oh uh, yeah, I hear the pod, bro. You, yeah, you definitely claim Aurora. So Northside, you're a Cubs fan. Uh, you know what, bro? I, I I'm not I'm not like I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not you're too not. big into sports. Like I watch sports, but the, the people I grew up with were all Cubs fans. All Cubs fans, and uh, I kind of always you know said like, oh yeah, I fuck with the Cubs, you know whatever, but. I'm not gonna lie, bro. Like I wear all black, so if you you see me, I'm gonna be wearing all yeah. socks gear. You I feel saw, me? Like, I was uh, just yeah. gonna say that. I'm like, man, whenever you're doing the stand up, bro, I see you in the socks hats, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, socks uh, fitted. Yeah, and I'm I'm either wearing socks fitted or like a Dodgers fit. I got a lot of family in L.A. I love L.A., so I I, I try to represent. I don't know. I don't try to represent L.A., but I, I like their culture and shit. So I'd be wearing the L.A. shit. But but yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really go for anybody specifically. But I have been to Sox games. I've never been to a Cubs game. So if that makes any, but I've been to more Dodgers games than anything. <laughs> Like yeah. Dodgers at a at a at the Dodger Stadium, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. The first the first baseball game I ever went to was the Dodgers versus the Giants, and the game ended Dodgers seventeen, Giants fourteen. So from my first baseball game, my expectations were high as fuck. Like to me, it was home run after home run. Then I started going to like different games, and it was like no hits the whole game. I was like, this shit is garbage, boy. Like, <laughs> fuck baseball. But but I, yeah, I can't believe you haven't been to a, the Cubs stadium though. That's crazy to me, bro. Yeah, man. I and I and I'm always by because I'm always in the north side. I'm always doing shows in that neighborhood. I was but I've to never say. been. We gotta to... make an outing though, oh. bro. We gotta make yeah. this shit happen. Like, Let's okay. go. Let's go. What were you gonna say? You were gonna talk shit. The, yeah, ex- always in the area, Boys Town or whatever. Oh, I, mean. uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna go that route, bro. <laughs> I guess, man. Yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, it, I was. It was me that DM'd you <laughs> <laughs> about clapping cheeks. Here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> Why you gotta say shit, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it, wait. That's fucked up. <laughs> nah, that's what's up, though, bro. Um, so then you moved out to Aurora, bro. You pretty much pretty much grew up out here, right? Because it's fifth grade, but I mean, you had like your teenage years to look out. I always say what, that who I am today is because of Aurora. Yeah, this, yeah. They molded me into who I am today, you know, from... And, and maybe it has to do with the move as well, like being the new kid. Again, when you're coming into like a community like the east side of Aurora... Most of these kids, most of these people knew each other from like little kids, like preschool. Simone. So when I came in on my first day of school, I got into a fight with this white boy at that. I was like, what? I thought the only white kid in Aurora, goddammit. But uh, this white dude, he, you know, he was just talking shit to me. And at that time, I was already kind of funny. 
so I was talking shit to him, and I remember he was wearing like some busted ass white Air Force ones. So like he was, he tried to talk shit to me. I was like, "Boy, how the fuck are you dirty as shit on the first day of school, motherfucker?" So I just started talking shit to him and roasted him. It started roasting. Like to me, it was roasting because yeah. like you know you're in the city, you know, with the with the Morenitos and everybody, you know, with the Puerto Ricans, we just talk shit the whole time. So I had to have like. I had to have that thick skin, you know, to be able to talk shit back. So I came out here and I was like, fuck it, I'm on the same shit. But out here, like, people weren't even getting roasted like that. Like, I was doing fighting words type shit, you know? So I remember I remember leaving my first day of, uh, of uh, fifth grade here in Aurora at Allen Elementary. And I was leaving. And this dude caught me lacking, bro, outside the fucking uh, main office. Outside the main office, bro. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, you was talking hella shit, whatever. So I was like, yeah, like, okay, whatever. You know, what are you going to do? And I had already gotten to a few fights in Chicago. So it wasn't really new And then this dude Started punching me bro Like not in my face But in my body But I've always been A big kid So like It didn't feel like Shit to me you know So I just grabbed that fool And just threw his ass On the fucking like into the tree and he hit his fucking head so that dude was tweaking out like started crying and shit so they took us to the office and shit and i got a referral on my first day of fifth grade here and i remember like um i had never got a referral before like they didn't have that in chicago so when they they took us to the office they're like you're gonna get a referral i was like is that a good thing (laughs) like like if in the the adult world like if you get referred somewhere like oh that's a good motherfucker you got referred yeah not in school though that's a bad thing bro but but yeah, man. Uh, sorry, I, I forgot the question was, but but you whooped. His but ass. I bet I've been out here though since fifth grade, and yeah, ever ever since those days, it's like molded me to be who I am. Like I always try to be the funny guy because I kind of like felt like that's what I had to bring to the table. Come on, but that's but you cool. whooped his ass and talked. But I rocked that food, dog. Like I rocked him. Like I've been waiting. To, you know, one thing like one one thing in Aurora is that you always see the motherfuckers that you grew up with or that you you know you remember from like oh that's that motherfucker from like seventh grade. I haven't seen him in a minute. You catch him at a Walmart, you know, or whatever. But that one that dude I have not seen him since. And I low key tried to like Facebook him not too long ago. Nada, like, nada, bro. I was like, damn, I remember his name too. Shout out Jonathan Dell. I was I was looking him up and shit, and I was like, damn, there's no way out. One day I'm a. One day I'm gonna find him. But like, the first thing I'm gonna say, I'm like, remember that one time when I whooped your ass, dog? Like, <laughs> I thought you were saying you know apologize. Well, I apologize. Hey, this for a UFC fighter right now and shit. This guy's <laughs> like, like, oh right. shit, I apologize. Nate sir. Diaz fighting this week, bro. Ain't no apologies. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Um. So it's the. So pretty much, you grew up out here, bro. It's, what got you into comedy, bro? I'm back, I mean, you were like the funny guy, right? But it's it takes. Um, special individual bro to get in front of a crowd and actually want to do it like that you know what i mean because i think anyone can bullshit with the guys or you know but being in front of people bro and actually try to perform it i think it's 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 something else man <laughs> it's ego more than anything that pushes you to perform in front of people because you got to be a really uh, you got to be a motherfucker with a big ass ego to think that you're funny enough that people should shut up and listen to you talking a microphone you know what i'm saying like yeah. like like you got a you got a really big head thinking that you're that funny that we all want to listen to you talk so that's not how i really got into it but that's what pushed me to get into it right but as far as like com- like as far as the social media thing and like the fan base thing and trying to have a platform i it, i got i had it pretty young because when i was 15 16 you know people are making the transition from faith from myspace to facebook YouTube is starting to get real big. Sergio Rasta's huge. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Super Rigo's big. You know, the Cholos be like and Mexican moms be like, shit like that. So I'm seeing all these people kind of go viral on, on, on YouTube. And I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm funny like that. Like, I should, I should do videos, you know? And my biggest 
I guess talent I would say is talking shit. Like if you give me a microphone and give me a topic, I could talk shit about it for like an hour. Don't matter what it is. So what I was doing, I I, I bought a p- iPad. I was working with my I, I started working with my dad really young, like at his factory job. And sometimes he would work, go to work on Sundays, so he'll take me on Sundays and he'll pay me. So I saved up, you know, after like a long summer, I bought an iPad and I would turn on the iPad on record. I'll do one take, no editing, nothing. And I'll just talk into, into the camera like, oh, I hate these beers. I hate this shit. I hate this. And like the videos were literally called I hate. And it'll be like six minutes or 10 minutes of me just talking shit about random stuff that I'll find in my room. And little by little on YouTube, it'll go from like 300 views to like a thousand to five thousand to ten thousand and i was like damn like this is picking up traction you know people are tapping in from the bay area or tapping in from la like are you funny as fuck dude you know whatever and i'm 15 16 years old at this time i'm a fucking freshman in high school you know so there's this one specific video it's called how to rock a snapback and i i made that video when i was 15 16 and I remember it's just me when the snapbacks were really big. You know, people used to wear snapbacks and shit. Um, I got two snapbacks at First Image here in Aurora. Shout out First Image. And um, I made. I just turned on the camera one day, seven minutes long. This is how long this video is. And I'm just like, I'm going to show you how to rock a snapback. And I just put it a whole bunch of different stupid ways. I put it on my ear. I put it on backwards. And I just talked shit for seven minutes, bro. I remember I turned off the... I uploaded the video and I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning, I looked at the views, and it, overnight, it got 10,000 views. Holy and I was shit. like, damn, like that's weird. You know, like I, I got videos that got views like that, but 10,000 is like my peak. Yeah. And we're talking about like months of being up, you know? So like 10,000 overnight, that's a lot. And I remember going to school that day, and I'm walking around the pe- class, and people are, are like pointing at me like, oh, this, that, you know, that's the you know, you hear people talking shit in the back, and I go, the same, the same. So I was like, what the fuck, you know? Like, this, I felt weird, you know? I remember that whole day feeling weird. I get out of school that day, I get home, I check my iPad, the videos are 50,000 views. Damn. So now it went from 10 to 50. And then I'm sh- I start sharing it on Facebook, you know, like, oh, check this video out. This is me, whatever, you know, like it's doing numbers. And um, I'm not going to lie. The comments were pretty negative because I kept saying the N-word the whole time. It's pretty fucked up. But, you know, that's you're young and dumb. You say yeah. whatever, you know. So anyway, um, little by little, bro, th- that video ended up peaking at like right now it's sitting at like 750,000 views. So it, it didn't go like a million views viral, but it got reposted on World Star Hip Hop. And you know, yeah. at that time in that's World, World Star Hip Hop was huge. Like I was, yeah. I was getting home from school. What's on the front page of World Star Hip Hop? Fights, fights. Oh, World Star, you know. I opened up World Star one day. My face is right there. The first fucking video, dog. I was like, what the fuck? The, and I remember the caption. The caption was dumb as fuck. How to rock a snapback. So they were like clowning me, but at the same time, to me, it was like I'm up there. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I showed everybody because it's like at that time, Lil Wayne is hot, Drake is hot, Tiger's like popping off, and then it's like Tiger music video, my face. So I'm like, bro, like I'm literally getting all the views these motherfuckers are getting. So that's like the first time I ever got a dose of like the the, the clout, I guess you could call it clout or whatever. Now they call it clout, but of like the following, you know. After that, I kept pumping out videos. Now I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty much a downward kind of thing. After that, it, no video that I put out went that viral. But I had you know thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand, twenty thousand. I have a lot. Of, most of my channel was doing an average of like forty thousand views. So I was like, in school, people were like stopping me. Uh, every like I would go to like, I, like in the Halloween time I remember I went to like uh, Joliet for the Statesville haunted house and there's people in line t- that was the first time that somebody had asked me to take a picture with me because they recognized me from the videos 
So I took, you know, I started taking pictures with people. I remember somebody asked me to sign something for them. I didn't even know. I didn't even have a signature to sign legal documents because I was under the age of 18, let alone an autograph, you know? So I, was, I just put like, I wrote my name, like I would write it on my notes and shit, like Kenji Flores, you know? And I was like, whatever. But uh, anyway, after that, um, I kind of turned 17, 18. And at that time, I started drinking a lot. I started going out, partying. And again, I'm, I wasn't game banging, but I was hanging out with people that probably weren't for the best of my, and I guess, you know, where, where I should have been, you know? Right. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of smoking and, and just spots every Friday, every Saturday, party, 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 party. And, and I'm not talking about like, oh my God, we're raving or, no, it was just a, 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 somebody's parents were out of town in Mexico and we were all there drinking and we were just getting fucked up. And at, at that point, you know, I, I was like, I don't want to do skits no more. I don't want to do the YouTube. Like that's lame. And I kind of, I fell off of YouTube. I stopped putting out videos. I lost my password. So I, I just completely fell off the YouTube thing. And then eventually, you know, I started working, like eventually I turned, you know, 18, 19. Now I'm working at, at a factory. I actually moved back to Chicago right after high school. I try to do, I, I try to go to city college out there, uh, to uh, Truman college in uptown, but I only went for a semester. I ended up going broke after like a semester. And I was like, fuck that. I'm going back home. Like, this is not for me. Cause I th like, again, at that point I was still like, I'm a city boy. Like I'm a, I'm a Chicago boy. Like I'm not from the suburbs or whatever. But in reality, you know, that's when I realized I was like, what the fuck am I doing in Chicago? Like I'm not, this is not like no, no my life is not here my life is in aurora who i am is because of aurora yeah. so i moved back to aurora and um after you know it was it was good and bad because it was good like i was back home and i was a little bit more financially stable i had my car and everything i had got a job at a warehouse i was work, i was working at o'reilly's warehouse and at starbucks so i had two jobs so i was making decent money but the only problem is that i was still drinking a lot i was still partying i got introduced to drugs that i probably shouldn't have never done and i started you know i started i mean we could talk about Drugs, right? All right, bro. It's unfiltered, right? Yeah. So I started doing a lot of coke, bro. So I started doing a lot of coke and uh and then like you would I would find myself between the ages of nineteen twenty, like every weekend it was just getting your paycheck on Friday, fucking it off the whole weekend, and then go back to work on Monday. And that's what my life was. And there would be weekends where and we're still young. We're still 19, 20, so we don't have nowhere. Like, we, I don't have my own apartment at the time. I might, you know, we can't just be like my parents had got tired of my shit because every weekend I was bringing my friends over, even if we were in the garage. Like, my parents, were like, dude, every fucking weekend, like, you need to chill the fuck out or else get the fuck out of here. Like, we don't want you guys every weekend in my garage getting fucked up. We'll drink my dad's beers. My dad used to collect tequilas. He used to have all kinds of tequilas. We used to open bottles up, like, bottles from Mexico, like bottles that he paid, you know, hundreds of dollars to get. I, I would get, you know, by the time you're coked up and drunk, two in the morning, you're like, I don't give a fuck. Boom, pop it open. So, my dad, you know, me and my dad got into really big arguments over that shit you know and and then i realized i was like you know what where am i going with my life like the only thing i'm looking forward to is getting my check doing drugs getting drunk and then hating myself on sunday every single weekend so i was like i need to do something so i i, I was looking into the youtube thing again to kind of try to reignite that that's when i started doing the food reviews the, like I was doing food reviews and I was, I went to like a few different places. And I'm not going to lie. Those YouTube videos, that was a new channel that I had. The, the, the channel actually that I have now, I already, I took all those videos down by the way. So they're no longer online, but I, I did, I did like, uh, 
best tortas in Aurora, best tacos in Aurora. And those guys, like, and they're probably ranged anywhere from three to 4,000 views average. Dairy Delight versus uh, Banana Split, that one is upward of, like, 6,000 views. So they weren't bad. It was pretty good, but it was real local shit, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to run out of ideas, like, you know, places to go. Like, I, I want to do something else. Like, I know I'm a funny guy. I want to do comedy. And at that time, I was a real big fan of stand-up comedy, like, or whatever was mainstream. Like, I didn't know nothing about local comedians, up-and-coming comedians. I didn't even know there was a local scene in comedy i thought there was like 10 people in chicago trying to be comedians but i was wrong so i started watching a whole bunch of different specials on netflix around the time again that i'm still trying to see what i'm going to do in my life and i would i would try not to watch the ones that i like because i i know cat williams is one of my biggest inspirations if not my favorite comedian of all time and i know like daniel tosh and all the mainstream comics i know that those were funny but i wanted to watch some that i didn't know who it was to see how funny they were and i clicked like bro i swear to god like five six seven different specials on netflix and i'd watch them and i'll be like dude this guy's trash like he's funny but i'm funnier than that i would feel like i was funnier than that person so that's kind of what clicked it for me of like let me try this shit you know at that time i had already quit the warehouse i I got fired from the warehouse actually and i got fired from starbucks so i wasn't working i was like in between jobs and like i was working at sony and bolingbrook Weak ass factory. I mean, weak ass warehouse. Like the worst type of living. I was wearing like a plain t shirt, working through a temp agency. I remember they used to have us walking a single file line to our forklift. Like it was oh, like prison. Jesus. I was like, I was like, this is prison. Like this is for people. Like yeah, I don't know if like, you guys, but like you know, you ever have your parents tell you like, eso de para la gente que no tiene papeles, you know? And like, no, no disrespect, uh, yeah. no disrespect to anybody who who doesn't, you know what I'm saying? But like, damn, like you know, my parents sacrificed everything to come out here and give me a better life, and I'm fucking doing this. I'm doing worse than them, you know? So I was like, I need. To do something better so um i had actually got lucky and i got a job at pnc bank and i was working at pnc bank as a bank teller um and uh i met the owner of the comedy shrine who was a club here in aurora at the, at the fox valley mall at the time at that time they were in the plaza across the street next to the toys r us and uh, it was a small club 150 seats and he's like he's and every time he would go i would make him laugh you know and he's like you're a funny dude he's like you should come out to my open mic try it out try stand up out and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll try it out. So I wrote down like a whole notebook of jokes, you know, but they were all hack ass shit. Like my mom hits me with the chancla, you know, like Mexican, you know, like hack, hack ass shit, you know? And I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna try this shot. It's going to be, it's going to be hilarious. And then I went the first night to check it out. And then I, I was looking at, 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 you know, cause they got, the list was like 40 comedians. The place used to be packed on an open mic night. So I was like, man, like. And, and I would see some people that were hilarious, but uh, most of them were trash. So I was like, dude, I can definitely do this, you know? And then finally, bro, I ended up signing up. I signed up uh, for one of the open mics and they called me up and I did, uh, I, you know, I did my four or five minutes, you know, and I told people this is my first time doing it. Or actually, I didn't tell them, but they told them when they brought me up, like, it's his first time trying it, you know, and they say that so kind of the people can be a little bit receptive, yeah. you know, like, don't be an asshole. So I went up, bro, and my charisma's always been good. My energy's always been good. So I did good enough that I'm not gonna say I murdered, but at that time, for a first timer, I did really good. You didn't get booed. Hell no. Nah. Like I got I ain't gonna lie, I snapped, bro. But like if I, and like, <laughs> like, and like if I did that set now, yeah. I'd be like, that was horrible. That was a nightmare. But like at that time, it was enough to real to make me realize. 
that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Because at that time, I had tried a lot of drugs, and there was not one drug that made me feel better than that moment on stage getting laughs from those people. Now, that could probably stem back to being a class clown and making the whole class laugh, and you're like, oh, yeah, I did that shit. Like, even though you were doing little dumbass, you know, fucking with the teacher, whatever you were doing, but like making the class laugh always made me feel good. So that was like the equivalent, but on a different level, because now you're with a microphone getting applause breaks at the end of your fucking shit, you know? So that was the first time, and ever since then, um, you know, I, I, I would... The next time, I, my my mistake was that I didn't know do enough homework on comedy. I thought that every time you went to an open mic, you had to write a whole new different joke. I didn't realize that people use the same jokes and they just go work on them, make them better, tweak them out, change a few words, change maybe the a storyline or, or make it longer. You know, so I w- I would try to redo a whole new five minutes and then i went up like two or three more times and i was bombing and i was just doing horrible and at that time people realized like oh that's not his first time no more so fuck him if he's not funny we're not gonna fake laugh so that's those hurt a little bit more but they pushed me to do better and little by little like i I just kind of started doing more open mics but i will say this after my first ever open mic what i think what really kind of kept me going after my first one was that i got booked after my first open mic ever, somebody came up to me. They're like, yo, you're funny as fuck. I'm going to do a show here at Draft Picks. Would you be down to do 10 minutes? At that point, I didn't even have four minutes of material. But I was like, hell yeah. And since people were already waiting on me, because the people in Aurora knew me for the YouTube shit, and I was kind of like living in my past. Like People will see me, they're like, oh, you're the guy from the Snapback video, or you're the guy from the Mexican Mom video, or whatever. People still f- remember that shit. Oh, people remember that shit. People, I go viral on TikTok now. And people comment, you're the guy from the snapback video. People from across the country, they're like, dude, I was wondering. I used to watch your videos growing up. Dude, I was wondering what happened. And they recognize me, bro. That's badass, bro. It, it is. But at that point, like now it's badass because now I know that I got something else to offer. I'm a comedian now. You know, I'm, I do this shit for real. But at, but back then when I was starting off, I didn't want to be recognized as a snapback, dude. Like I wanted to like be new, you know? Right. Like, but what I'm saying that's badass is the fact that they were looking for you. Yeah. Like, hey, where the fuck were you, dude? Like we were, man, I I was wondering where you were what happened to you the fact that somebody was waiting on you to pop up again they knew like you yeah know they, I mean? they knew it was coming because exactly. yeah because when i promoted the first show the draft pick show i was like hey for everybody who's been wondering when i'm gonna come back to youtube when i'm gonna come back to you know doing what i do i got booked for a live show and at that time i had already made a status like letting <laughs> people know that i was getting into stand-up so people were waiting they're like all right let's see what the fuck because they knew I was funny, but like, you know, they didn't, they were like, stand up. Like, I don't know if you're that funny, you know? So, on my first show ever, bro, and maybe this is probably why I'm so spoiled by the people of Aurora that, you know, of, I, I love Aurora because they've always took me in and accepted me for who I was. But the first show I ever did at Draft Picks, we sold that bitch out. And it was all my people, all people from, from, from either partying with them or, I mean, I guess, I, I guess you could say I wasn't really wasting my time when I was doing drugs because I was networking. Because when it came to, <laughs> when it came time to sell tickets, they showed out, bro. They showed out and we did it two weeks in a row the first week i opened up for somebody packed it out the second week the second week they had me headline bro this is after one time of doing open mic comedy they had me headline i did 20 minutes of fucking around like there's people in the crowd that i knew and i'll just talk to them like aren't you gay now like what didn't you like i was just fucking with people you know but it was enough to keep me going and ever since then like i just haven't slowed down bro. i've been going at it going at it going at it now I mean, I don't want to fast forward through this. I don't know if you have more questions, but I did. I yeah, had yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll slow down. I'll slow. But that's how I got into comedy, though. <laughs> so, I had two questions. But the first one is: whenever you went to open mic, how many times did you have to go and sit down and check it out before you said, 
all right, I'm gonna do this shit three times. So three times, three times, three different weeks. Yeah, not and not not consecutively. Like this, this is a span of like a month and a half, maybe. For sure. That I went to go sit down and just just to watch and rewind it just a little bit to the YouTube thing. Did you make money off any of those videos back then? Never. Is, was that it, that was was it even monetized back then? I, I I couldn't make money because I wasn't eighteen. Oh, you have uh, to be eighteen. To you make have money? to be eighteen to become a partner. And I, I mean, obviously, the kids that make money now, they have their parents, you know, manage their accounts, and obviously, you know. But dude, my mom doesn't. My mom didn't know how to fucking log into her email. Well, you or, probably could have, right? I mean, yeah, I I could have made. Some, yeah, but people look at my numbers now. They're like, damn, you you would, and especially back then when YouTubers were making real money off of just YouTube, not talking about sponsors or ads, yeah, just yeah. A, just off of views. I would have made. I don't know. I I wouldn't say you know five thousand dollars, but I think at least a thousand. I would have made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. And then one more thing, uh, going back to that ten minute, you know, bid your, your first stand up uh, show. How nervous were you to like prep for those ten minutes? Did you write? Did you even prep? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I prep, bro. One thing about me, there's I guess two things. As far as prepping goes, when I first started stand up, and this didn't even change until probably within the last year, I used to write every single word I was gonna say on stage in a notebook. So if I if I got booked now again, when I first started, you were only getting booked for like I, I would get one show a month. So I'd have a, a month to prepare for that show. So I would write every single joke. I would literally write, hey, how are you guys doing tonight? On my notebook, you know, all the way till the end where it said, all right, thank you guys for having me. My name's Kenji. All right, at that time I was going as Too Skinny on stage. So I'm like, oh, my name's Too Skinny. Thank you guys. I would literally fill up five notebook pages of little small handwriting of every single thing I was going to say in my set. And if something happened while I was on stage that didn't, that I could have capitalized on, I would not do it because I would stick to my set. I would stick to my set because I did not want to break out of my set. Because I, I would be like, no, it has to be what I wrote down. I can't like so. And and now I'm way loose. Now I'll write a set down, and I might go on stage and do one joke out of that set and fuck around for the whole rest, and it'll still fucking hit, you know. And that's reading the crowd, R right? Reading the crowd, reading the room, and, and being comfortable in the room, you know. But uh, but as far as like the anxiety and and, and getting right, thank you, bro. As far as everything else, bro, like um. I, I have real bad anxiety, bro. I get I like sometimes even when I smoke weed, I don't even like to smoke too much because I feel like I get like like I'll get anxiety attacks, and that's because everything else going on in my life. Because my life is not just comedy, right? Obviously, people got work problems, people got home problems, family, problems, whatever it is. I feel like that shit just multiplies it times ten when I smoke weed. So I try it a little bit less now, more than more than more than before, right? But as far as like going on stage, bro, literally like until. I didn't start feeling comfortable until like this, this, this year, this year, maybe within the last year. Before that, bro, I'll throw up before going on stage. I was like on some eight mile shit. Like I'm throwing up. Like I wouldn't feel good until I got off stage. Whether I did good or whether I did mid, mid or, or or even bad, I'm like fuck it, it's done, it's over with. I'm 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 glad it's over. Like I would really like once I was up there, I was flowing. But before, anything leading up to that moment, it was fucking horrible for me like i would i would if i would be at work you know knowing that i was going to go on stage that night and my hands would be freezing bro like i had like again with the anxiety with the with, with the with the trying to write every single word for word like it, it just was not a good mix and again people people used to tell me back then like just the more you do it the more you do it you're going to get more comfortable you're going to get more comfortable but i was like that's bullshit i could never see this feeling going away now I can't wait to go on stage because I'm like, oh, that's when I can be myself. When I'm up there, when I got that mic, this is my room, you know, and, and I'm going to guide it however the fuck I want. But it took it took me, I mean, now I'm doing this shit, this four years in now, that's barely like, 
barely getting to that point where I'm getting comfortable, but I don't consider myself a good comedian or even I, I'm a rookie, bro. Like I'm new to this shit. This is all new to me. Like I, if anywhere in the Chicago scene, people know that like, I'm a newer comic, but it's just, you know, me and my roommate, you know, we've been putting up reels and TikToks. It's luckily like with the internet right now, bro, like, you know, you, I'm not saying you can skip steps, but you can grow your platform way faster with, you know, TikToks and reels and shit. So it's kind of helped me skip a few steps as far as like earning your stripes or whatever. But it also you have to be funny in order for that to work because you're not just going to have a whole bunch of followers and then go bomb you know what i'm saying like i have the the humor to back it up i have the jokes to back it up now but 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 yeah man it was um i'm just now getting comfortable bro it's yeah the anxiety was bad i hear that bro just because i get anxiety as well and and nowhere near i'm being in front of people but just doing the fucking pod bro i'd be sweating and shit i'm over here all nervous i'm looking at noe like bro you got this because i can't (laughs) i can't right now you know what i mean so i can only imagine bro being in in a room 100 150 200 whatever it is and trying to perform and let's say not even getting those jokes right like people are not or not really responding the way you do fuck probably have probably have a fucking panic attack myself man yeah i mean even and it, and it doesn't even like the thing about comedy too is because i've literally killed in a 400 people room joe's on we street you know 400 plus people and then i've gone done another show the next day and bombed and fucking feel all over again like it's my first day it's very it's a very humbling art form you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you'll never be the best. You know, you'll, you'll, there's always, because you don't know who's in that room, what the energy in that room is. And also comedy, you have to also rely on the rest of the comedians. Like, you know, if I'm third in line, but the last three motherfuckers sucked ass, now the crowd's in a bad mood. So now I got to fucking, I'm got, I got to dig myself out of a hole to, 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 to wake them back up and get them back into that rhythm, no matter how good you are. And also... The motherfucker before you can kill so fucking hard that you go on stage and you're like, even though you're funny, you're they're gonna be like, yeah, yeah. but you're not that last motherfucker. That last uh, motherfucker, they right. resonated with the crowd, like they talked to the crowd like on a different level, you know? Because and, they, and they could, it, it could all be different scenarios, you know? Whether you talk to a specific person and there's just a specific moment in crowd work that just hits so hard that you're not gonna be able to top, or or just you know maybe you guys are in the same age group that you're you're writing and your jokes. Maybe it's a crowd full of kids, not full of kids, but full of parents that have kids, and the comedian before me is doing all. Oh, my kid's this. My kid, aren't your kids stupid? And now the crowd's laughing because they relate. And then I go up there and I'm doing fat jokes. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. I'm. We're all skinny, you know. Like this, I don't relate to that. You gotta has, comedy has to be relatable to hit the hardest, you know. And I, I, I don't know. You can, you can, you can be bombing at any time, bro. I've seen some of the best comedians in the world bomb. <laughs> what um? Have you opened up for anybody like super big? I just opened up for Chingo Bling last week. I don't know if you guys know who Chingo Bling yeah, is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I talked to Chingo Bling. Uh, you know, it was funny because I, I mean. I've opened up for Chingo Bling. I've done shows with like Pat Tamasulu from WGN9 News. I've done, I've opened up for Mark Vieira, who's like one of the Latin, Latin kings of comedy out of New York. Uh, so, I mean, I've opened up for like decent comedians. I mean, Joy Villa Gomez, he's a, he's still a Chicago local, but he was on Comedy Central. He's on, um, he, he's, he's real close with Bill Burr. So, like, I, I mean, like, it, it, you rub shoulders with these people that are, in the fucking scene, I, I I did. I mean, I didn't open for Ali Wong, but I was doing a show at Zany's, and Ali Wong was there because she's filming something in Chicago at the time. Mm-hmm. So I performed right after. I mean, right before Ali Wong, she went after me, so it was pretty cool. She told me I had a good set, so oh, I, she, I, I, yeah, yeah, she did. Ass. So it was pretty fucking dope, you know. But yeah, yeah. But last week, uh, last week was the one that meant the most to me because uh, 
uh, Chingo Bling was the first comedian that I ever went to go see live. When around the time that I was starting comedy, where I was like, I'm gonna sign up for these open mics and all this, uh, I was like, I need to go see somebody professional live. And at that time, I didn't really know too many comedians that were touring. And my homie Chins, he was like, Oh, look, Chingo Bling is coming. And at that time, we were really big fans of Chingo Bling. And uh, he, we're, he was like, Fuck it, let's go, let's go check him out. I was like, Yeah, let's go. And he came to the Schomburg and Improv, or the Improv in Schomburg, my dumbass. But he came there and we bought the tickets, $35. And we sat through the show, and I remember watching his opener, Jerry Garcia. Shout out to him, who now has an HBO uh, special too. But he was really funny. And then Chingo Bling came out; he was really funny. And I remember I was like, man, I, I like I wish that I could, uh, like, if I could go on this stage right now in front of this many people, all Latinos, because you know Chingo Bling's audience is Latino. I was like, I would murder. But at the same time, I don't even know what jokes I would do, you know. And it fast forward four years now, I realized he was coming to Zany's in Chicago. I got the sponsored ad on my phone, and. My, my instinct wasn't, oh, let me go see him. My instinct was like, man, let me open for him. And when I saw the ad, I just had a few clips from Zanies on TikTok. One of them did like over 4 million views. The other one's like about 2 million views right now. So the club, like I knew I was in good standings with the club because I brought them a lot of foot traffic on their, on their pages. So I was like, hey, man, I would... You know, Chingo Bling's been an idol of mine. Like, I've been an idol. Of, I mean, I, he's been an idol of mine for a while. I would like to work with Chingo Bling. Like, could you guys give me the opportunity to work with him? And they told me, they were like, the manager was like, hey, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, but we already booked the host, and he's going to bring his own opener from Houston. So we can't put we can't put you on the show because it's his show. So I was like, I was kind of bummed out about that, right? But uh, fast forward, you know, like two weeks, so probably about a week and a half ago, um, he ended up finding my Instagram, again, through Reels and through a friend that I, I had met through comedy. He, I have this guy, his name's Anthony A. He's a radio host of the Dana Cortez show in Phoenix, and they're pretty, they actually are nationally syndicated, so they're all over the country now. But but he, he asked me to be on one of my shows at the Laugh Factory, and I told him, yeah. So he came on my show, and I told him, I was like, he's like, have you ever opened for any big Latino comedians? I was like, nah, bro, I really wanted to open up for Chingo Bling. He's coming next week. But the club told me no, and he's like, that's my homie. He's like, I'm going to holler at him for you. And, you know, people say shit like that, but you're like, oh, yeah, you're, yeah, sure, you know? So I was like, all right. And then, um, like two, three days after that, which would have been like a week, two weeks ago from today, he, uh, I saw that Chingo Bling follow me. I was like, what the fuck? And he started liking, like, he didn't just follow me. He started liking my shit. Like, he went through my page, right? So I was like, all right, that's fucking dope, you know? But I didn't want to DM him because I was like, I don't want to be in his nuts. Like, I don't want him to feel like, ah, oh, this guy should never, you know? Right I was, away. I, was like, I gotta be mutual, right? I gotta yeah. kind of lay off a little bit, right? But I'm glad that he follows me. Maybe one day we'll work together, right? So that was that. Two days after that, so it would have been not last Thursday, but the week before that. Um, on that on that Thursday, um, my homie texts me from Phoenix, the guy from the radio. He's like, hey, bro, just a heads up. I told Chingo about you uh, uh, like a few days ago, which must, must have been when he followed me. He's like, and he just texted me right now and asked for your phone number. So I was like, fuck it, give it to him. Soon as I give him the phone number, like I'm telling you, I'm, I'm at work, like two minutes, I get a phone call. You know, iPhone tells you like from where? And it's in Houston, Texas. You're like, I was like, yeah. that's got to be Chingo Bling. And I picked up the phone. I'm like, hello? 
He's like, yo, and I recognize his voice right away. I was like, oh, he's like, you know who this is? I was like, Chingo? He's like, do it sound like Chingo? I was like, yeah. He's like, it's Chingo then. I was like, what's up, dog? And, you know, we were talking. He's like, bro, he's like, I fuck with your shit. You know, I was going through your page. My homie told me about you. He's like, you funny dude. And I was like, I appreciate it, man. I was like, fun fact, bro. I, I know that you're coming to Chicago next week. I was trying to work with you. Like, it was a dream for me to work with you. You know, you were the first comedian I ever wanted to go see live. And, um, you know, the club told me that you were going to bring your own opener from Houston. So they didn't really let me. He's like, yeah, bro, I'm bringing. My, my homie from Houston but I want you to be on it too like you, are you down I was like hell yeah bro so kind of came full circle you know he's like text me a picture of you so I can make a flyer so I texted him the picture and then he you know later on he ended up texting me back he's like here's the flyer bro post it on your pages you know share it whatever tell your friends about the show I was like bet so I started telling hella homies I was like bro I'm gonna work with Chingo Bling and people my age you know we are like Chingo Bling was popping back in the day you know so it was like everybody knew who Chingo Bling was like here on the east side so people were like people that had never fucked with me before even though the TikTok even though the Instagram whatever until they saw me working with Chico Bling, like, oh, this dude, he's doing it. You know, he's doing it for real. So people started sharing the flyer. People that, again, that hadn't fucked with me in years. So I was like, oh, that, that's fucking dope. But I, like to me, Mission Complete wasn't until the show day. I was like, because I could be sharing all this and all that, but what if I go bomb? Then it don't count for nothing. You know, everything it was a waste. So then show the show was a week ago today, because Wednesday today. So a week ago today on uh, August 31st, last week, um, we, it was show it was showtime and he wanted me to get there a little bit early so we can talk so we can network and shit you know but i was like bro what's the point of of me excuse me what's the point of me getting there early like well i mean not that i didn't want to get there early but i was like i can say whatever the fuck i want to say beforehand but like comedians no matter who you are they won't respect you until after they see you murder once they see you murder they're like all right yeah we could take this motherfucker serious so i was like i don't even want to talk before the show yeah so i want to show, show, show you I can, I can show you better than i can tell you you know so then i got there right like right as as uh the show was about to start i walk in and zany's is a very small venue it's it's, it's literally like a, a flat like a chicago flat so it ain't shit so i walk in and it's already fucking packed wall to wall and i was like holy shit all latinos bro all i'm walking to the back i see the homie shu Wu. you know you guys know who shu Wu is he's a big sneakerhead in chicago like I, I like i used to follow him back like when i was into sneakers like he was uh big on cream and like a whole bunch of those internet sites like he was like, he's got like eleven thousand followers like like you know organic followers of just the sneaker scene you know so when i see him i was like damn like it's, it's some big hitters in this motherfucking room that can really help me in the Chicago scene, you know? So I kind of felt the pressure, but I drank three Modelos on my way there. When I got there, I drank a Blue Moon. So I'm feeling loose. I'm feeling good, you know? They bring the, the host up, and the host that they booked was some white girl. And shout out to her. She did her thing, but the club should have read the room better. Like, how you gonna book a white girl who doesn't do Latino material for a chingo bling show, you feel me? Like, it just doesn't make sense, but... I was, she did good, though. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the thing about comedians bro is that Damn. they'll tell you they did good because they got laughs but to me i could get laughs in a room like this that don't mean shit like to me i want to murder from the moment i go on stage if you ever i don't you guys haven't been to a show when yeah. you guys go to a show like when i go on stage bro i want to murder from the time i get on stage to the time i get off i want to have you laughing to a point where you can't breathe you got tears in your eyes like that's what makes me happy. So I, I don't want to, I don't do it for pity laughs. If I'm doing shit for pity laughs, I could just share memes on Facebook, you know, like that's, I'm, a, I'm in a different art form. So I, I made it a mission. I went on stage, bro. <laughs> from the moment I went on stage, I got the clip. I'll show you to you guys after. But I, I, from the moment I go on stage, bro, 
I talked to this guy in the first in the first row. I remember he had like a, a Versace uh, dress up shirt, you know. And the white girl was like, "Did you get it at Target?" You know, I don't know what kind of corny joke she was trying to make. I think there was somebody in the crowd. She had told that you guys that they met at Target, so she tried to make like a little callback joke. She was like, "Did you get it at Target?" But it was mid, you know. Nobody really laughed. So when I went on there, I was like, "I was like, damn, we got the fucking cartel de Sinaloa in the front row right here." So people start laughing, and then uh, I'm like, "I'm like that girl said if you got it at Target, bitch, this is Versace." My fucking crowd starts losing it bro when i felt that i just kind of took off bro i just fucking started murdering bro started killing it and uh, i mean there was i mean i could i stopped so many times because people were dying laughing and like those periods where you stop just because you can't keep talking because you want to let them laugh is is like heaven bro for me you know it's like the best bump of coke you'll ever take bro like for me you feel me like that, that's what made me happy and then he ended up getting um I ended up wrapping up the joke. And I'm not even going to lie to you, bro. Right when I got to the fucking last joke, as I was doing it, some bitch yelled out my punchline, bro. But regardless, I still did it. And the, I, I mean, before I even said my name or anything, I got an applause break. The crowd was already applauding me and it was going crazy. So I put the microphone down. And my homie Chins, who we went to the first Chingo Bling show, he was in the crowd. So it was like, like for me and him, you know, it was personal. I was like, bro, like we we were sitting in the crowd, you know, like four years ago. Now I'm fucking murdering on the show, bro. Then they bring up the next motherfucker. Shout out Bryson Brown. He's real funny. And then they bring up Chingo Bling. He does an hour. Good. He's funny, right? But, and I say this like with the most, in the most humble way that I can. I was the funniest person that night. And I had people come up to me at the bars after, because we were kicking it right there in Old Town. And at the show that came and told me that like, bro, you were the funniest motherfucker tonight. Like after you, the show kind of started going downhill a little bit. And again, now I did ten minutes compared to Chingo Bling doing an hour. That's it's hard to be. Time. It's hard yeah. to be consistently funny for an hour. There's gonna be times where it gets quiet or whatever, you know. But but I mean, I was yeah. like, I, I I did what I came to do. And then me and Ching, I mean, after when I got, I hadn't talked to Chingo Bling yet because I hadn't even seen him yet because I was late. So after I got done with my set, I didn't even think he had seen my shit. I go to the back and I ask for a blue moon. I get a beer. He comes up to me and just taps me on my shoulder. He's like, you fucking murdered that shit. And he daps me up. You know, we, we, we give a hug. And that was like the, like the I guess, validation that I needed. You know, I was like, damn, like I did what I came to do. Even if it doesn't go anywhere from here. I did what I came to do, you know, like I, like my, my followers on Instagram or my clips on Instagram are not for nothing, you know, like I do this shit for real, right? And uh, after the show, after he got done, he came up to me, he's like, hey man, come upstairs, I want to chop it up with you. I was like, all right, fuck it. So I go upstairs because upstairs is where like the green room's at, the backstage or whatever. So we go upstairs and it was like some mafia shit, bro. Like he sat down right here on this couch and he didn't even make eye contact with me. I was standing right there. He's like, sit down. And I fucking sat, I, I, yeah, I, I sat down next to him. I'm, so we weren't, he wasn't looking at me, bro. He was looking straight and I was looking straight too. Cause I was like, I'm not going to look at this motherfucker if he's not looking at me. So I'm looking, so we're, he's talking to me. We're having a conversation, but we're both staring at the wall in front of us. And he's like, how long you been doing this? I'm like, yeah, like four years, about to hit five. He's like, have you ever been on the road before? I was like, man, I'm not going to lie to you. Like just this past week. I, I booked my first road gigs. Like I'm headlining in Washington DC in November and I'm featuring a whole weekend in Washington DC with another comedian. And then, um, 
I, I'm going to San Francisco this weekend, which was, you know, a week from then. I was going to be in San Francisco next week. So these are going to be the first times I'm in two different coasts and shit. But I, other than that, I've only been in the Midwest. I was like, to be real honest with you, Chingo, I haven't even worked a whole weekend here at Zany's. Like, they've never booked me to feature. Like, I got a fucking, like, I'm literally, like, begging for stage time, you know. But every time I come, I do shit like this. Like, I murder. And he's like, bet. He's like, all right, well, we're going to, like, keep in contact with me, bro. I'm, like, he didn't tell me I'm going to take you on tour with me. He's like, but we got, he's like, we're going to work together real soon in a few different places, bro. So just make sure that you keep in, stay in contact, stay consistent, and keep killing it. And that's all he told me. And then he had to go do the meet and greet. So we all go downstairs and shit. But after that, I was like, damn, like, that was like, that's like the best case scenario. Like, I was sleeping, like, dreaming about sh- that to happen. Like, that's the best thing that could possibly happen to you as, like, a up-and-coming comedian, as an opener, you know what I'm saying? So I, I really appreciated that he even took the time to tell me, like, you snapped and all that shit. And, um, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, we haven't really chopped it up after that, but there was another comedian, and he goes by El Gordo Mamon on TikTok. He's got, like, 200,000 followers on there, and he's got, like, 50,000 followers on Instagram. He's more of a content creator. Like, he, does he have any real stand-up, like, good shit? Because I ain't going to lie, bro. Like, to me, it's probably not my style of even his skits, you know? Like, no. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of him. Like, I didn't even know who that, who that was before. He's with Chingo, though? He knows Chingo. Like, uh, the, I guess the guy goes to Houston back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. So he knows Chingo and shit. But when he announced that he was coming to Chicago, Chingo Bling tagged me in his comments. They're like, link, he's like, link up with link up with Ken Flores. So like, giving me the validation, you know. And that shit look good when you got Chingo Bling tagging you in other motherfucking shit. Like, Hell I yeah. mean, Hell you can yeah. say whatever you want about Chingo Bling. I know he's kind of like a conservative guy now or whatever, but I'm not in politics. I'm in comedy, you know. And I mean, any opportunity that I get, I'm going to take it, bro. So I, I like, that's why. This boy ain't lacking for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, 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 and yeah, I was, I was, I was real. That comment meant a lot to me that he was able to tag me in a different comedians because I felt like he he remembered me. Like he saw Chicago and I was the first motherfucker he thought of, you know? That's he tagged exactly, me. Yeah. So I was like, bet, like I'm in there, you know? And I'm not going to hit him up right now like, hey, bro, when we going to go on the road and shit? Because I know like, I know his shit kind of slowed down a little bit too when he started going all super conservative and shit. But again, I'm in comedy game. I'm not in politics. So whenever he's ready to take me on the road, bro, I'm going to be ready too. Yeah, I don't even. Did you even know he was going conservative? I mean, Red Pill Tamale or whatever podcast yeah. he has that podcast. Yeah, oh, shit, I, I listen. No. I listen oh, to okay, it. that's why I listen to it time yeah. to time. He's yeah. I mean, he's, the funniest shit that I remember from Chingo though was that Canelo shit, bro. The Canelo oh, skit. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's yeah. That, is, the, the that is the fucking hilarious. That's hilarious. Me me con flay. Yeah, that's just funny. I I thought I saw one of his specials too, bro. Um, he was where he had different, yeah, exactly. Where he had different co- yeah. comedians on there, and I thought some of the other comedians were funnier than him. The guy that opened up for him, Jerry Garcia, he's is that the all- dude with the glasses? Yes, him. Oh, dude, he's hilarious. He's one of my biggest inspirations in comedy. When I go on stage, Robbie, I, I say fool a lot too in person too. But when yeah, I go on fool. stage, I, I say it even more because it keeps me from saying the n word. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do that instead. You he know, he does that too. Yeah, and he does he does that too. And he's one of my biggest inspirations in comedy, even though he's not. A huge comedian, and I got a homie that I you, I don't know if you guys know Rene Vaca. He's the Indian looking comedian from LA. He, he he's pretty big on Instagram. Is he popping on TikTok too? He's I think he's got maybe like uh I don't I, I don't know if he's in the hundreds of thousands of followers. He's kind of popping on TikTok, but he's popping popping on Instagram. He when I first worked with him and met him, he was he had like twenty thousand followers. From that point to right now, that dude's been uploading every single fucking day. He's at like. 80,000 followers right now just pumping out content. Now he's he's coming back on November 10th 
to the Laugh Factory, but he's been working like, like he's going on tour right now. He's going crazy with the shit. So anyway, he opens for Jerry Garcia and my uh, and the opener that Renee Vaca brought with him too. His name's Angel Hernandez. He's only like two years into comedy, but he's funny as fuck too and a good kid. He opens for Jerry Garcia too. So I'm in like I know all the people that they work with. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm linked up with Chingo too. So. Like in this business, it's pretty cool because again, it's like the music business. I know you were in the band. Yeah. It's like maybe one day you get booked with a motherfucker. Now you're opening up for like some of the biggest names in music, just because you're in the business. You're rubbing shoulder, and all you gotta do is be good and be a good person, and like those opportunities will come. You never know who's watching, you know. Yeah. But but yeah, it's crazy. Like I was like, damn. But yeah, yeah, Jerry Garcia, bro, one of my favorite comedians. He's funny as hell, bro. So, so to bring it back to Chingo, bro. I mean, I know I think you, you pretty much got the experience you wanted out of it. You know, you got you got the, I guess, the reaction from him that you wanted. Um, but meeting him in person, was it kind of what you expected? And I asked this because you hear about other comedians. Um, one specifically, like George Lopez, bro, that I hear, like, he doesn't want to fuck with any Latinos. Yeah. So, like, as far as him, like, was, was he kind of, because that is kind of weird, though, like, staring into the wall, not really, like, looking at you. Yeah. But how was it? For, like, what did you, how did you feel? I don't know. I guess when you think of Chingo, you th again, you think of the Canelo skits. You think of the silly shit, you know? Yeah. So you think, like me, I try to be silly. I mean, I walked in your house being me, you know, being myself. Like, I wasn't like, oh, what's up? You know, like, like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm me, you know, I'm me. So I guess when I, when I, what I thought from him was like, I don't know, I thought he would have a little bit more hyper energy, yeah. but he is over 40 now, you know, he's, 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 a, you know, he's older now. So he's not, so he was more of, but he wasn't an asshole. He was a nice guy. The fact that he got up from his seat just to come dat me up after my set, I felt like it meant a lot to me. And again, you and, and it was right before he went on stage. So when a comedian's about to go on stage, they're locked in, bro. They're they're trying to get their shit together in their head before they go up there, you know. So I wasn't expecting much from that. And I mean, even the fact that he told me, let's chop it up. He didn't have to do that. You feel me? Like he didn't right. have to bring me upstairs and tell me, like, we're gonna work together, you know? Like I don't know. To me, that that was like I don't know. Honestly, it was more than what I thought it would be, you know. Because I've worked with um, one of the first people I got to open up with um, at the Comedy Shrine was this guy named Steve Stephen Michael Quesada, and he was in Breaking Bad. He was one of the detectives in Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. His name was uh, Gumi, was what they called him in Breaking Bad, and uh, he he was pretty big. Like he had, he drew a decent audience or whatnot for a four hundred seat theater. Now that they were at the at the mall or whatever, but anyway. I was talking to him in the green room and he didn't really want to talk. So I was like, from there, I was like, you know what? Let me just shut the fuck up. And I didn't say shit after that. And then, uh, my friend was on stage. The host was on stage and he said something funny. And I told him, I was like, that shit was funny. Right? Like, and he told, he looked at me with a straight face and told me, he's like, Oh bro, I don't watch comedy. I don't watch other comedians. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, my friend George Lopez, like, he's name dropped George Lopez. He's like, my friend George Lopez, he always he always tells me, he's like, Why, you're the only comedian I know that doesn't watch comedy. And he's like, I just can't. He's like, I just do my own thing, bro. Like, I can't. He just, like, it baffled me. Like, you don't watch comedy, bro? Like, what if I go on stage and talk about the same shit you're about to talk about, and then you go up there and do the same fucking joke? Like, like I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That, 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 that kind of, like, it rubbed me the wrong way because... As an opener for somebody, you hope that they're watching you because you want to impress them and, and, and not just to impress them, but hoping that an opportunity can arise yeah, from that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so it kind of like, it kind of like, um, kind of like gave me low expectations, I guess, because I was like, well, it doesn't matter how hard I fucking kill because he's not going to take me, he's not going to watch. You're going to hate anyway. Yeah. yeah. You're, not even just hate, but you're not even going to pay attention. Like, you're not even going to give me a chance, bro. So that kind of like, 
was a bad taste in my mouth. But again, he went on stage and fucking did mid anyway. So I was like, I don't give a shit. Yo, th- this person that you're talking about, is that the dude's partner? Yeah, yeah, the, the bald guy's partner. Yeah, oh that shit. Yeah, he that, does comedy? Yeah, he's, he's that's how he started. He's a stand-up comic. He was a stand-up comic before he was an actor, but he's like a cruise ship comic. That's like a that's his mm-hmm. own lane. Like it's just people that are maybe not as funny to go mainstream, but funny enough to where they can make a living off of it. So they go on cruise ships, so they'll go for like three weeks out of the month and go on different, you know, um, carnival cruise or whatever. And they do shows every night on the carnival cruise for the people on the cruise ship or whatever. But like, I don't want to live that life. Like I want to do this shit, like to tour the country, meet people. I'm not going to be stuck on a fucking boat. Like, and no disrespect to anybody that does it on a boat. You know that if you're making a living, you're making a living. And if somebody told me right now, yo, come to a crew, come, come do a cruise with me. Yeah. I'm going to go do it. You feel me? But that's not where I want to peek at. Like I want to, I want to do theaters, bro. Arenas, like I got big goals for this shit. You know, I'm not doing this shit. To, I always tell myself, like, I'm, I don't, I don't have fast shit. Like, if I'm gonna do it, bro, I'm gonna do it all the way. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm yeah, not wasting made, my you time. You made that shit clear with the drugs, sir. <laughs> <laughs> right? You start with weed, bro. Like, I tried everything. Right, we're doing needles, goddammit. No, 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 oh but, shit! But, but that, it's low key. Not to, not, just not, to, not to throw shit, you bro. under the bus, but it does come with the uh, like addictive personality. I have a very addictive personality. Like you get addicted to drugs, you get addicted to food, but the comedy. I'm one thing that I'm happy about is that I got addicted to it. I'm addicted to getting that feeling, uh, that high of that euphoric feeling of killing the room, and and um and getting on stage, bro. It just I gotta have it. Like if there like if there's a week where I'm not going on stage, I'm gonna go do an open mic because there's no way I can go a week without getting on stage. Like I need to do it. How how many times a week do you do it? What? At least once. There's there's times where. Like last week, I did the Chingo show on Wednesday. I had two shows on Thursday, show on Friday, and another one on Saturday. So like, that's Damn, that's, fu- that's four fuck. times right there. And there's been times where I've done two shows, two shows, two shows. You know, like back to back, I've done three shows, four shows in one night. Like, so I mean, I could take a whole week off, but then I do four shows on a Saturday. You know, so it's like, fuck it. You know, and I'm not sometimes not even shows, but like sometimes I'll do three sets. Like I opened up for Mark Vieira at Joe's on Wee Street. He had two hundred and it was like three hundred people per show, so six hundred people total. Two shows, one at seven, one at nine. After that, I was still itching. I was like, I still need to do something else. So I went to an open mic at Reggie's, like at midnight, bro, just to get on stage, just to get that laugh, bro. Like, and it worked. I, I ain't gonna lie, I did good. <laughs> I but, did. Um, can we ask about the money or no? Like, you can, but ain't shit there. <laughs> and it, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not. So let's say on a night that you do four shows, it depends on the room, bro. Because you can get fucked out of money, bro. Like, I, like I've done shows where, like, I've done shows where I've produced them myself. I did a backyard show in the middle of COVID. Um, in the middle of COVID, I was in my backyard. I put out supposedly I put out a hundred. T- it was like eighty tickets. I think I sold during COVID, and then those sold out like within four days. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna put like." 40 more so now we're talking about like 120 130 tickets and then at the day of the show i realized like damn i could feel like 50 more chairs in this bitch so i told people i was like tickets at the door bro we ended up selling the whole show like 200 tickets bro in my backyard middle of july 2020 so like the middle peak of covid and i did a comedy show and i ended up making like with the merch i was selling there also i made like two grand in my backyard bro and i've done shows where it's like 300 people, they all pay $25 a ticket. We're talking about a $10,000 budget, and I don't get shit because I did a guest spot, you know? Damn. So so it's like, it just depends on what kind of show it is. If you get a private gig, like right now, like back in the day when I was starting, like I wasn't really doing private gigs because I didn't have 45 minutes of material to charge somebody, 
you know, $150, $200 to go do a show. But now that I got it, like, I'm doing private gigs. Those are the ones that pay the most because now I'm doing, it's like, a, it's, like bro, it's like you hire a fucking payaso for a party, you know? Like, some people don't want, like, some people, like, you're doing an adult party. Oh, it's my fucking husband's 32nd birthday. He loves comedy. Let's book his favorite comedian in Chicago. I'll go in there for $350, do my shit, bring an opener, give him $100, $150, keep $200. And that's just in one night doing one little show, you know? But um, now, I mean, I, and I've done the shows where I headlined the Comedy Shrine. They've gave me $600 checks for a weekend, you know? So it's like some shows are good, some shows are bad, but it's mostly bad at the beginning. Most, I mean, the first three years of this shit, I was paying to go on stage. You know what I'm saying? You, you go hang out at the place. They're not even going to pay you. You just ask them to let you on, and then you're still spending money on a beer and shit. Now, right. now it's coming more. Now it's kind of switching now i'm making a little bit more money like every every gig that i take i'm getting at least you know 40 60 dollars you know so that way it doesn't it's not for nothing you know but you got to lock in those big gigs like right now i got like like in october i got like two private gigs in one day which each of them pays like 200 bucks so it's like it's a little good little like 400 day you know just to tell shit jokes for 10 minutes each you know so in 20 minutes you get 400 dollars. that's a fucking lick but hell yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, those don't happen that often so i'm barely working my network to that point you know you got to do a lot of bullshit shows in order to get to the real money but no i think the most i've ever made yeah i think the most i've ever made in a weekend would be like probably like 600 dollars just off just off of headlining a club and then right now i got booked for dc so dc they're they're offered me right around the same 600 dollars to be in dc featuring for somebody you got to fly yourself out though got to fly myself out yeah and the only thing they're gonna help me out with is they're gonna give me a place to crash which it's probably a couch or something like that you know so okay. like, i told him i'll like, sleep in the fucking car bro take I'll that sleep opportunity in the car. hell yeah i have one more question you got anything compa no go ahead because it we really, we're already here fucking hour shit, we'll do two hours yo <laughs> Top five comedians for you. What's your What's your top five? It doesn't have to be anybody that you want to fucking work with. Just your top five. You think they fucking funny. They they kill every time. Okay. And you know, this question gets harder every time because when you first start, your first five are like, oh yeah, the most Kevin Hart, you know, the most famous ones, you know? Yeah. But as you get more into the scene and because there could be a motherfucker in Houston, again, Jerry Garcia out of LA, he's not a mainstream comic. Mm. You Most people you tell, they were like, I don't know who the fuck that is. But to me, he's one of the funniest, you know what I'm saying? So that, that, that answer changes, but I guess I'll mix it up just to not make it a long. So I'll give you like, you know, two Chicago ones that I, two people in Chicago that I really fuck with and then the rest I'll do mainstream. But like Joy Villa Gomez, he's a comedian out of Chicago, South Side, old school cat. He's like 40 something years old. So he's been in this shit for like 15 years. Um, he's he, He's got his own special on Comedy Central. He's been on HBO Latino. But I, I feel like he really is like an OG me. Like I, That's the person who I consider my big homie in the whole comedy scene. And, and I say he's one of the best. I feel like if you guys go to one of his shows, you will love him. Um, so me and him got a few gigs coming up soon. And uh, so I, I'd say him is one of my favorite in Chicago. Then there's another white comedian that is completely different than me, completely different style than me, completely different writing, but something about him just... I fucking love him, bro. And his name is Jeffrey Asmus. And the first time I ever saw him, I had got booked for a weekend at the Comedy Bar. It's a rooftop comedy club uh, off the Magnificent Mile in Chicago, uh, mm. right above the Geno's East Pizza. They actually, Geno's East owns the Comedy Bar, so they're together. But anyway, um, that the Comedy Bar booked me and him, and that guy had two broken hands, or two broken wrists. So he's on stage with two fucking casts in his hands, like this, like just literally standing like this, murdering that crowd is going wild 
And this guy's hands are broken, bro. Like, that's how funny he is. And then at first I was like, maybe it's the fucking cast that's making him funny. And then I went to go see him without the cast. He was even funnier. I was like, no, that motherfucker is. He's, ta- got, it. he's got it. He's man. got it. He watch. He's going to blow up. He's He tours all the time with like Mark Norman, Sam Morrell, like some of the biggest comedians in, 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 the, in the country right now. Um, but anyway, those two are my favorite. Oh, actually, he's in New York now. So he just moved to New York last like last month. So, But those two, I would say you guys got to check them out. Um, and then I'd say the three mainstream ones that I really like right now, uh, Shane Gillis, really funny motherfucker. Uh, he's from Philly. He's out of New York right now. Um, I, I can't say, I can't not say Sam, Mor- Sam, Mor- Sam Morrell. Sam Morrell, he's a, a comedian from Chicago, from, sorry, from New York. He just dropped his Netflix special September 1st. Um, and the guy who directed his special and produced it did my special too. I have a 10 minute special on YouTube. So we got, and now he's on Netflix. So I don't know, just bragging a little bit there, but, uh, he, he's, he's, uh, he just dropped and he's really one of the best joke writers in the game right now. And somebody who I always like to include because I feel like their special changed my life, which would be Pimp Chronicles part one, Cat Williams. Cat Williams is one of my biggest inspirations because he's one of those guys. You know, some people who like soccer or some people who like football, they look at their favorite, you know, whether it's Brett Favre or whether it's, you know, Messi, whatever. You look at that main player and you're like, damn, that motherfucker left everything, his heart, soul, everything on the field, you know. For me, when Cat Williams would go on stage and he would do his set, like, I feel like he would fucking leave everything he had on stage. And that's kind of what I aspired to be. Like, I aspired to give it my all to give the crowd the best show possible. That doesn't necessarily mean jumping up and down, but at least going up there with the right charisma, with the right energy, you know. But, yeah, Cat Williams, I can never leave him out of the, out of my top five list, but that's kind of my list. That's what's up. Yeah. Three of those people, I did not know who they were, so I got to go Google that shit. Yeah, yeah man, check them out. Watch their shit. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's on Netflix, I I pay Netflix, so I watch him. Yeah, Sam Morrell, he's one of he he's gonna be watch Sam Morrell's gonna be one of the biggest comedians in the world, bro. He's gonna be considered a go watch up there with like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, uh Richard Pryor. He's really and I and, and I mean this I mean if we're doing top ten, of course I can't like honorable mentions like Patrice O'Neill. Rest in peace, Patrice O'Neill, one of the best in the fucking uh-huh. game. I mean, Bill Burr is a fucking goat as well. Tom Segura is one of my favorite comedians, but those comedians are like, they're doing arenas, you know, or, well, Patrice is dead, but, you know, they're, they're, they're like too big, you know, but I feel like, yeah, right now the hottest writers, because I feel like the the funniest motherfuckers are the ones that are hungry still, the ones that are like, you haven't still said Dave Chappelle though, bro. He's not a goat to me, like he's, what? He's, he's, I mean, all right, what's your, what? what's your oh, favorite Dave Chappelle joke? I, don't, I can't tell you exactly. Any, I can't even tell you. <laughs> I can't even tell you a Tom Segura joke. I know he's fucking funny. I, I, Bill I Burr is Bill Burr is hilarious, but I can't. I don't remember their jokes. Seventeen reasons why not to hit a woman. He, that's a fucking pretty good joke. I feel like you're looking at it as a comedian. If <laughs> yeah, you, like, yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't. I don't remember any of their jokes. But Tom Segura is funny as hell. I feel like Dave Chappelle is considered a goat because of like his story, how he came up, like how he left the Dave Chappelle show while it was in its prime, and then came back. But like he he he's funny like he's like he can keep you locked in. Dave Chappelle can talk for fucking four hours, and we can like watch him and not lose interest because he intrigues you so much. The way he tells a story, he is funny, but he's not. I don't think he's a goat in my opinion, not to me at least. Damn, not not to me. You feel me? A Damn. goat, to, a goat to me, like like yeah, like like I mean fucking. 
I consider some of these people in the local scene gold, bro, because their pen, like their pen skills, like the way they write jokes are, are fucking insane, bro. And again, these these are people that are local to me now, yeah. but they're like comedy is like classes like in high school, like they're going to go up. You know what I'm saying? And I'm seeing it like I've been in the game four years In these four years. I've seen people who I've done shows with start to get special, start to go on tour. So it's like, damn, you just it's like popcorn. You just see that one after another. And now with the algorithm. It's like, I've done shows with people that are on America's Got Talent now. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, it, it could be any of us at any moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for, I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. Like right now you guys are like, when we're doing this podcast right now, you know, second week of September, like shit is starting to pick up for me right now as we speak. Like, like whether it's traffic on, on online or, or just the type of bookings I'm getting, like it's just, just now starting to get good. And I'm pretty fucking new at this. So like. The, the people that I've been watching, they're already gone, bro. They're already like living in New York, living in LA. You know, I see people that I was cool with, friends with, post flyers, and now they're on the same show as Anthony Jeselnik. They're chilling at the comedy club, and Bill Burr drops in and does a fucking set. So these are people that I like that I fuck with. You know, I, do you guys know who Chris Stefano is? That sounds familiar. Chrissy D, he has a he's really famous for uh, the 9-11 story on YouTube. But anyway, he's a really big comedian. He just dropped a Netflix special too, not too long ago. There was a guy who I had on a show that I co-produced at the Lincoln Lodge. He's he he's I don't he's I don't want to say he's like a uh, a little person because he's not like a midget, but he's got like uh he's there, he's got some type of physical deformality you know where he doesn't he's not as tall as he should be but uh i mean not as he should be but i'm saying like but i'm, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm, but I'm saying like like, oh, like you, you could notice him in the crowd you know he's he's he looks different he got within three weeks he got picked to do jfl which is just for laughs comedy festival in in um in canada at uh where the fuck is the, i think it's maybe uh JFL, I don't know where they do it. I think somewhere in Canada. I think maybe Ontario. I don't know. But when you get picked to do that festival, every network, every agent, every manager is there. Everybody who is anybody in comedy is there. There's people from Chicago that have got picked up, picked up by Kevin Hart, picked up by anybody. He went to JFL three weeks ago. He was on my show at the Lincoln Lodge. He went to JFL, got picked up to be Chris, De Chris DeStefano's opener. Now he's been on his podcast and he's got reels with him doing, you know, Hundreds of thousands of views. Like his career in three weeks, he went from a local comedian to now an up and comer in the mainstream world. That's how fast it can happen. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck the question was, but that's, that, <laughs> that's the comedy game. You feel me? And yeah, I feel like, yeah, yeah. and I feel like right now I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a, in a lake with ice over me, you know, and I'm at the top. But I got still I gotta break through that fucking ice. And I actually heard you mention it when you talked about me before on a podcast. You said that you gotta put in your ten thousand hours, right? You gotta yeah. put in that work. And I'm all about putting in that work. I don't fuck with skipping steps and and, and I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't want any shortcuts. Obviously, if they come, I'm gonna take them. But I'm also gonna earn them. You know, like the Chingo Bling show, like it could have happened because of the following of the TikToks or whatever of the Instagram reels and shit. But if, if I didn't do well, then it's for nothing. You're just wasting your time. What the fuck is the point of having a big following, but then people see you live and you suck, you know? So it's like, I'm all, I'm all about being good live and in person. All the internet shit is just an extra to try to help me get to the next level faster. But I'm all about making sure you're still funny on stage. That's what matters yeah, yeah. to me, though. The actual art form. I got a lot of... When I first kind of came into stand-up, again, it was because I had already got a taste of, like, the whole 
YouTube thing and the whole like taking pictures with people thing. So I kind of want to do it to be famous and to be rich. That was my mentality when I came in this shit. Now I'm so deep in it that I love comedy and I've came to the realization that even if I never make it, I'll, I will never stop doing comedy because it's what makes me happy. And I'm just going to, it's always going to be a part of my life forever, bro. But again, I have, I'm a type of person that like, I, I, I like everything I put my mind to it. Like I'm fucking, I'm trying to manifest it, not to get all corny and shit, but I'm fucking like, I'm, I'm punching, bro. Like, I'm not doing it for nothing. You feel me? Like, I'm going to work, 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 work. I, I don't want to be able to say, oh, man, I should have tried. You know, because there's there's comedians now that I do shows with that went to school to be lawyers, got their law degree, went to school eight years, became real fucking lawyers, worked at a law firm, and then now they work at a coffee shop just so they can, um, you know, do shows and, and travel the country doing shows because they don't want to fucking waste, you know, their life doing. So that's when I realized I was like, I'm doing what I want right now early, what I love. And I know this is what I love because if somebody's willing to give up their fucking law degree to do this shit, then I'm glad I didn't waste my time going to college because I would, it would still put me back in this path, you know? So it's like, now that I got that advantage of being young, I got to go all gas, no brakes, you know? Like, Capitalize on that shit. Yeah, that fool got corny, dog. Yeah, that, that fool got corny. <laughs> that fool is not. He is not going to make it. That fool sucks. Salud, salud, salud. Nah, cheers, bro. The best to you, bro. Hell yeah, brother. Um, Like I said, we damn, we already hit over an hour. That's what, typically what we do, bro. Just like an okay, hour. Yeah. That's that's why, you know? Este, but we wish you nothing but the best, bro. Nothing, nothing but luck, man. Um, like I said, I fuck with you. I fuck with your pod. Um, definitely the comedy shit. I still got to see you live, bro. Yeah, like, we'll be popping I mean? in, bro. We'll be popping we, in on you. Hell yeah, that's that's a hundred percent, bro. Um, but do you want to? We're obviously gonna link all your stuff, all your social media, whatever. But if do you want to say it as well, like uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook? Yeah, man. I uh, if you guys want to follow me, Ken Flores three zero zero on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. That's all my social medias. You can like my Facebook page, Ken Flores. Um, and I got a podcast as well called Talking My Shit Podcast with Too Skinny. The reason is with Too Skinny is because when I first started comedy, I wanted I wa I was going as Too Skinny because my full name is Kenji, but it's spelled K E N Y I. So if I say, hey, you guys have been an amazing crowd. My name's Kenji Flores. People are going to go type that shit in and I'll never come up because they're like, this motherfucker spelled his own name wrong, you know? Yeah. So instead I was like, I'm going to go by Too Skinny. And then I was going by Too Skinny for a while. And then that's when that comedian, Joey Villagomez, told me, he's like, bro, you're funny as fuck. Like, you don't need to be doing that gimmick shit, you know? Like, don't do no extra shit. Just go by your name. It'll come in. It'll, it'll all start happening for you just because of your humor and your jokes. So I started going by Ken Flores instead, which is just, just a shorter version of Kenji because I feel like it's a little bit easier to type. And sure enough, man, you know, shit started to happen. So yeah, Ken, uh, talking my shit with Too Skinny. I kept it Too Skinny because when I talked about it on the podcast that I was going by Ken Flores now, they're like, ah, oh, no, nah, like you're still going to be Too Skinny, whatever. So I was like, fuck it. I'll keep Too Skinny for the podcast, but everywhere else is Ken Flores. So yeah, talking my shit podcast, Ken Flores, 300, man. That's, that's me, man. If you guys want to see a live show, and you too as well. Um, September 29th, I'm doing a big show at Joe's on Wee Street again. Those shows are usually at least 300 people, bro. Packed, packed. I can get, I can hook you guys up with free tickets. Not the people listening, but... <laughs> Y'all heard that? He said yeah. it, bro. <laughs> Y'all too. Yeah, I can hook y'all sure. up with, with some free oh, tickets, yeah, man. Y'all can come it, out there, man. We'll make and, it out there, bro. Yeah, and then on top of that, I run I run a show at the Laugh Factory now. Um, it's the Latin. It's a, it's a Latino show now. So uh, that's on the second to last Friday of every month. That I can give you guys free tickets for 
for for the listeners. Holla at me on Instagram if you guys want to come to one of those, and and I'll hook you up. I'm gonna I would say this month, but this month I'm gonna be in Milwaukee. Why it's going on? So don't go. I'm not there. But and, <laughs> but, but 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 yeah, man, come through, come through. For oh, sure. Yeah, you got any last words before we wrap it up? Man, I, I could keep going, bro. This shit is I know, super I know, I interesting, know. dog. But appreciate you coming on, yeah. bro. Can't wait to fucking go see you live, dog. Yeah, man, let's get it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me, man. And you guys make sure to subscribe, Compass Unfiltered. If you're listening to him for the first time, this is a good time, man. Good people, man. Follow them. Thank you, you brother. We appreciate it. So thank you for listening, for watching. Deuces. <laughs>